We could take him off the lead for a bit. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to do that? Because there's a lovely open space here, Josh. Now, Josh will throw the... This is his little toy. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at his eyes. I've got such a bad throw. That was about two <laughs> metres. This week on Walking the Dog, I went out with comic and star of The Last Leg, Josh Widdicombe. Josh is a cat owner, but he was keen to meet my dog Raymond, so we headed out to the beautiful Victoria Park, which is near his home in East London. We talked about his fabulous actress grandmother, why he hates confrontation, and why he never watches himself on TV. I had a really lovely morning with Josh. He was hilarious company, incredibly unspoilt by success, but also really curious about the world around him. Well, except for when it came to picking up dog poo, you can catch Josh on his new Dave show, Hypothetical, with James Acaster, which is absolutely brilliant, by the way. And it starts this Wednesday, the 6th of Feb. And also, if you want to see him on his tour, Bit Much, later this year, go to joshwiddicombe.com. I really hope you enjoy this, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Here's Josh. Shall I lead? Do you want to take Raymond? Yes, please. How old's Raymond then? Raymond is two. He's two what years old. What a name. What do you think of him, Josh? I love him. I'm a big fan of dogs with human names. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's a real... I think if we were to have a dog, I'd definitely... There's something that makes me, I don't know, laugh about just a dog with a, with a human's name. It's much more... It's much more fun, isn't it? Raymond's absolutely done me there, <laughs> gone the wrong way round me. Well, you know what? Oh, is he doing a wee, Josh? Yeah, I'm goodbye. No. Oh, look, it's tiny. Oh, yeah. Do you see? Tiny wee. Tiny really dog, though, wee. to be fair. Yeah, he's a really small dog. Well, I think he likes you. I should introduce the podcast, Josh. Yeah, sorry. So, um... Do I press a button or something? This is fine, right? What, on the lead? Yeah, if he goes too far. You're That's doing really happen, well. Okay, He's cool. on an extendable lead. Yeah. I that. like the way you're doing it. What would you do? You're sort of holding it. Look, I'm quite Victorian, <laughs> aren't I? <laughs> you look like, you know when those Victorian people, I, I say like you're around in that time, as a bit of weak observation comedy there, but you know when they take out us of the perambulator for the Sunday stroll, you're yes. holding it in quite a formal way. Yeah, I am, lead, aren't I? Which I'm, I like. It's the, it's the lack of, I can't... I can't remember the last time I held a dog on a lead, if I'm honest. Look at him go! He's really enjoying it, isn't it? Loves it. So do you go out every day? Yeah, I do. Raymond? I take him out in the morning and in the evening. He doesn't need much exercise, but no. he loves it. Um, Must be nice. So, this is Walking the Dog. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm really I'm excited, actually. Are you? Yeah, really looking forward to it. Well, I'm with the very wonderful Josh Widdicombe, who I'm a huge fan of. Thank you. And um, we're with my dog, Raymond. Yep. Who's a Shih Tzu. Yep. And, because Josh, you're not a dog owner. I'm not a dog owner. No. Raymond's, I can't, I don't know what, what word I can use on a podcast, but I think we could get it across. <laughs> oh, he's having a comfort break. Comfort break. <laughs> That's what you call it. Does, um... I'm getting the poo bags are out, Are you Josh. totally dead to this as a grim thing to do as a dog owner? Oh, I see. You mean am I anaesthetised to the yeah. picking up poo? Well, you've got a baby, haven't you? Yeah, and I'm pretty dead to that. Not the baby. <laughs> the poo. I felt nothing when that child was born. Nothing. Yeah. 
Are you well, okay with baby poo? Yeah, it does. I don't even think about it now. Right, I'm going to pick it up. So, there we go. Quite easy, isn't it? It's, it's not bad, is it? Also, tiny dog, tiny poo. Yeah, notice you didn't offer. Get that on offer. the t-shirt. Didn't <laughs> notice offer. you didn't no, help I... with the poo. Should I have offered? No. Oh, well. <laughs> I feel bad now. <laughs> so, you have two cats. Two cats. And, and what are your cats called? Eddie and Beryl. <gasps> Great names. Yeah, they're strong names. Yeah. Um, they're pretty aloof, to be honest, as cats tend to be. Yeah. I, I would definitely enjoy having a dog, but give it a few years. Why? Just because having a baby's enough is taking over a bit. It takes over, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite all-consuming, it turns out. <laughs> before, just before, um, like the month before Rose was due... Yeah. We'd be walking around the park and I suddenly got really into the idea of getting a dog. I don't know whether that's some kind of weird... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I was I... just always going, we need to get a dog. Maybe it was like a last-minute panic. <laughs> or maybe it was some kind of hormones thing. Well, I, I think there's probably a sensible idea to wait a bit. I think you're right. Because they... Do you know what? I was... Nothing prepared me for quite how much work it was. I bet. <laughs> Did you feel that about fatherhood? No, because I... Do you know what? I was fully prepped for it to be apocalyptic, kind of. I'd had enough... You, you, you see these people going in pretty laissez-faire and you're like, you're going to get a shock. But I was like... I was ready for it to be bad. And actually, in terms of the tiredness... Yeah. It was the opposite of what I thought it would be. In the... It's the nights that were... T- I thought it would be like trying to work in the day. Yeah. But you can get through anything in the day, really, when you're tired. Yeah. It's the nights. And actually, to be honest, I've stopped drinking so much, or stopped drinking completely for the last month, and so I'm actually less tired now that I've got a baby because I'm not hungover. Yeah, I saw you mention that on the... Was it on the last leg you were saying you'd stopped drinking? Yeah. Yeah. Why was that? That is a series of reasons. One, I couldn't for much longer deal with that awful feeling of what did I do last night, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know how much you, if you're a drinker. I don't know if I've had that since I was about 20. Have you not? God, that's the... I don't know anyone that doesn't have that. <laughs> not like... I don't mean like waking up in a bin. Like, well, we're just like waking a, up and waking like... Waking up in a hotel room no, with no, a no, tiger. No, 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 like just waking up and like going, yeah. <laughs> no, waking up and thinking, just what did Saturday I say? Saturday night for Josh. Yeah. No, it's stuff like... You know, you'd, you wouldn't remember conversations properly and you'd think, oh, God, I hope I didn't say anything right. stupid. And also, so a combination of that. And then I stopped for a bit and I realised so much more productive. I know that's a really boring thing to say. But yes. like... No, it's true. Your day is just... You, you're like, where have all these hours come from? Well, actually, Sarah Millican, who I interviewed on this podcast, she said exactly that to me. She said partly her reason for not drinking is that she doesn't have the time. Yeah. She doesn't have the time to devote to feeling shit yeah. for the morning and writing off four hours one totally, Tuesday. Totally agree. And I don't drink for that reason. Do you drink not at all? That's not that's not how they word it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit Yoda, wasn't it? I liked it. It was yeah. like it was like you you were sort of Italian and you Googled how to ask me that question. <laughs> and I really appreciate the effort, Josh. No worries. Um, 
Yeah, no, I've sort of stopped drinking. I mean, it's sort of, you know, weddings and bar mitzvahs yeah. and funerals, essentially. Yeah, but the big three. just to be polite, I think. Right, But yeah. I've stopped enjoying alcohol, and I yeah. think it's for exactly that. I have that sense, but then I'm a little older than you, and I think when you get to your 40s, it is that sense of, I haven't got much time, actually, and I don't <laughs> know how much of it I want to spend just lying in bed feeling shit. Yeah, so I don't know if I've stopped forever in the same that you can't just... I think if you think, I'm going to stop forever, it's too vast, isn't it? It's too scary. <laughs> Is it? Well, I think you just take it, you know, take it a day at a time, really. <laughs> I've, you know... I like... Most people say that about giving up drink, whereas you're That's saying what I mean, that about clinging up. on to it, I think. Oh, do you <laughs> think? Saying, I don't want to give it up completely. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I tell you what I don't want to do is make any big pronouncements that will come out and bite me on the ass. That... Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at that one, Josh. Oh, that's a nice dog, isn't that's it? That's a nice dog, isn't it? I'd is much it? prefer a small dog, though. Do you? Yeah. Why is that? Because I think they're, A, cuter by definition of being small, and B, you know when you go to someone's house and they've got a big dog and it's a bit much? <laughs> do you have that? Your new tour. Yeah, that is the actually, in. yeah. But that's not, that wasn't me getting it in. We will get on to that. It can get a bit bit too overly physical. Yes. I don't think Raymond's ever going to take me down. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And also there's that sort of the genital examination at the door. Yeah. You know. And you have to be polite and pretend it's amazing fun when they've got their <laughs> legs on your shoulders. And you're like, this is totally unacceptable. Yeah, I don't really like it when dogs, when their limbs look human. Yeah. You know when they sort of leap up and I think, oh, it's, you're like a really skinny, weird man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I like that about Raymond, because... There's no doubt that Raymond's a dog. Do you know what I mean? You see, I think your daughter would like Raymond. Yeah, totally. Do you think so? Well, she chases the cats and they <laughs> don't buy into it. Do <laughs> She, they've, they've got one of those, so they've got a cat flap, but you know where they're, they're like chips, so they can go through the cat flap, but no oh, one yeah. else can. And they'll go through, and she can't work out what's going on at all, because then she can't get through the cat flap. Oh. <laughs> so, hello, Raymond. Come on, Ray. So, Josh, talk me through your pet situation when you were growing up, because you, you uh, were born in... Devon. I was born in London, actually. You were born in London, then when did you move to Devon? Moved to Bristol when I was six months. Bristol? And oh. then moved to Devon when I was three and a half. Ah, and why so, was that? The reason I was born in London was that my parents were living with my gran, who lived in Ealing at that point. Right. And then we moved to Bristol. And then I've got half-brothers and half-sisters from my dad's first marriage. Oh, And they right. lived in Cornwall, so I think it was more to be near them. And also my mum, really into horses, so wanted to live in the country so she could have horses. So that was the reason. And then my gran moved down. Yeah. With us and kind of, we bought a house and she had half of it and we had half of it. Is she the one who was an actress? Yeah, she was an actress. So she was in the first ever soap on radio, Mrs. Dale's Diary. Oh yes, I've heard of it. Yeah, so it was like, I don't know when that would be, probably the 50s? Probably the 50s, yeah. Yeah. So she was Gwen Dale, the daughter of Mrs. Dale. I think the whole thing, the premise of the soap was that Mrs. Dale was like, it would eat each episode would start with Mrs. Dale writing her diary entry for that day, if you see what I mean. Right. Quite a neat little premise. Yeah. And uh, maybe they should bring it back. <laughs> and uh, maybe that'll be my thing, I'll bring back Mrs. Dale's diary. 
And, um, Adrian Mole was a rip-off. Yeah, Sue Townsend. <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah. So it was all... Um, so she was in that, and she's kind of knew everyone in that sense of you'd be watching TV and she'd go, oh, he is awful, or <laughs> vile man. And, um, or she'd like people, depending. Mainly hate. You know what the acting world is like. <laughs> and, well, um, I love those... I grew up, Which way should we go, Josh? I'd go left. I haven't even told the listeners where we are, by the way, which yeah. is... Well, you tell us where we are. We're in Victoria Park, which is my local park. And it's so beautiful. It's really nice. You know, I'm saying it's one of the most underrated parks in London. And that's a boring thing to say, but I stand by it. No, Josh, it's I great. agree. There's fountains and yeah, beautiful really cafes. Nice. There's a... The other side of it's really lovely, kind of. Um, and it's big as well. And it's really well tended. Yeah, they've got some sign up saying they want best parking somewhere or something. So they're really, um, they go for it. Yeah. <laughs> We're about to see the Chinese pagoda around the corner. Wow, Ray, how do you feel about that? Yeah, do you like a Chinese pagoda? Come on. Yeah, so anyway, your, your grandmother, the reason I like the sound of her is I grew up in quite a theatrical family and yeah. we always used to my sister and I would call if you walked into the dining room when the, my parents friends were around we call it the pea super because of the cigarette smoke and oh, really? yes. the noise and the, and it was always kind of well they've offered me a who it's hardly a hamlet <laughs> but it pays the bills it was lots of RSC yeah, people and I like that yeah I like those people I do like I know obviously they get a bit of a bad rep but like, my gran would smoke a lot, um, so, yeah, her house is a bit of a pea super. <laughs> and do you know what? If ever I smell, like, um, cigarettes in a bin, I remember my gran. <laughs> Isn't that a weird thing? Because <laughs> whenever you'd use her bin, it would, like, stink of cigarettes. So that's a real, like, nostalgic smell for me. <laughs> I love this. That'd be one of my desert island smells. I love the thought of you sort of having a nostalgic moment, weeping silently over a load of old fag butts <laughs> yeah. outside the smoking area. <laughs> so, yeah, so you moved to Devon. Did you have pets? Yes, ever? so we had a dog. Oh, did you, Josh? We had Jack Russell called Scrapper. Scrapper? Who was pretty brutal, pretty attacking. Yeah. Uh, nice dog. Then she uh, lost an eye. By the time I was a teenager, she was one eye. Mm. And then she... And then the other eye went bad as well. I think she basically ended up being a blind dog. Right. And uh, we had a cat as well called Wilger. What's it called? Wil Wilger, which I think is a type of potato. <laughs> oh, Raymond stopped and I just carried on. That is awful dog bullshit. <laughs> Come on, Raymond. She's a nice cat. She what died by having a heart attack and falling into my dad's arms. Really? Isn't that a sweet story? Or awful story, depending. <laughs> By the way, that's not the Chinese pagoda, I haven't made. Oh, it's lovely, though. Two Here we go. Stand off. Are they Westies? Hello. Yeah. Does Raymond fight back? No. 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 Hello. Hey, how's it going? Oh. What are these dogs? Are they Westies? They are, yeah. They're lovely. Oh. Nice dogs. Yeah, they are. One's more angry than the other, isn't it? No, she's just jealous all the time. <laughs> yeah, she's, just... she's jealous? Yeah, she's Oh, well, it's very nice to meet Lovely you. Say to bye, meet Raymond. Yeah. Hey, Cheers. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. Bye-bye. Bye. So I'm going back. We'll go back to Devon. Yeah. And you've got a rather sad story of both animal, one animal going blind and yeah. the other having a heart attack. I mean, attack. they had both had a good innings. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, they were both like... I'd gone to university by the time the cat died, so that cat must have been 15 at least. Yeah. 
So, and don't worry. <laughs> and were you, what it. were you like as, at school, Josh? Were you... Bit of a non-event, really. Like, you know the kids that are neither the cool kids nor the uncool kids? Like, totally cruising along in mid-table. Everton. <laughs> I was either I was very mid-table in every way, if that makes sense. And were you such were you a boring funny? origin story? Um, not really. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I I thought that when you asked Matt Ford that. I thought. Oh, on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And I thought I wonder what my answer to that question is. And I still don't. I I haven't got any of that. Like, and then I said this joke, <laughs> and I thought everything's fallen into place. This is what I'm going to do. At all. That's not... I was very into comedy, though. Yeah. Raymond loves bins. He really does. Really loves bins. Like me with cigarette bins. Well, I was going to say, like you. <laughs> it reminds him of one of his grand. relatives, the smell of poo. <laughs> so I didn't... You I didn't have really... that sort of... That moment, you know. No, that not road at all. To Damascus. Well, it's sort of that moment that people talk about. Well, Matt Lucas talked about it on yeah. his podcast about making teachers laugh at school I'm not making teachers laugh doing impressions of his teachers at school and all the boys laughing and he thought oh this is a thing I've got yeah this I, is a currency it's that it's yeah. that notion that comedy could potentially be a currency for you yeah and it just what I, I didn't have that but what I did have was and I don't think I realized at the time but I was far more into comedy than everyone else I think without realising that other people weren't into it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So there was low... I'd watch all of the... I mean, obviously everyone thinks that their youth is when everything was the best on TV and music and all that. But, like, you know, it felt like every Friday it would be, like, The Far Show and Father Ted and, you know, and Shooting Stars and TFI Friday and then Fantasy Football. And it felt like this kind of infinite amount of brilliant comedy was out there yeah that I was really into and I wonder whether that kind of shaped me into wanting to do it more than my own kind of school experience or anything like that if you know what I mean so you weren't sort of one of those people you know in the sort of you know the kid at the family the family gathering who has well I always call it the look at me Gene. Oh. You know those people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had it a bit, if I'm honest. You like, did? Well, I remember I found a letter years, <laughs> years later my mother had written, and it was, and it, she said, Emily is a dreadful show-off. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, at first I was like, how dare you? And then I thought, yeah, I was. And would someone have said that about you? Uh, I think maybe to an extent, but I don't think, I think maybe at primary age, I went to a very small primary school, there's four people in my year, so there was only 40 people in the school. And I think I was probably quite a big fish in a small pond at that point. And I was, I was the lead in the school play, I was Robin Hood. So, you know... Well, don't you, boast about you it. You can't talk. argue with the credits. You can't argue with the credits at the end of the day. You don't get that unless you can do, do it, right? I think once I went to a big school, I kind of disappeared. So I think I was much more shut off. You'll see a documentary on Spandau Ballet, right, or yeah. something, and it'll be like Martin and Gary Kemp going, well, we were always doing shows for our parents. And I think everyone was doing that. Interesting, It's just yeah. that when you've then become a performer, yeah. you like to use that to kind of join the dots a bit. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, though. 
That's, That's an interesting a... point. I wonder, you know, it's like when you hear people say, well, I always knew I was going to do something different yeah. and be famous. And you think, well, everyone sort of thinks that they're different <laughs> yeah, to a degree. Course. I totally agree. I, I think it's, um, you know... I, it's, it's a kind of revisionism, isn't it? Totally, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think everyone in their life is like, you know, you're looking for those patterns, aren't you, I suppose? Raymond's just... Um, here comes oh, there's dogs. a nice lady we met before. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Oh, Hi. <laughs> Raymond. No, very cool around other dogs, isn't he? He's really good. He's got the confidence of the never knocked back. Of the never knocked back. Yeah, he's sort of like the David Beckham of the dog world. <laughs> <laughs> Do, have you had him? Have you like gone to training and stuff? Yeah, I went to dog class. I went to puppy training classes. Yeah. But I took him when he was a bit too old. And oh, I didn't, really? I made a mistake and I took him when he was, he was about nine months. And so I lied about his age when I was Amazing. there. And we had to go around the class saying how old our dogs were. Like one were. of those Nigerian footballers <laughs> that pretends they're younger than they are to get a big transfer. They say they're like 22 and they're 50 <laughs> or something. <laughs> those are my favourite footballing stories. Yeah, I love that. So you lied to get him into the class? I lied to get him into the class and then I had to, and then I told the lie and I thought... Oh no, this is like one of those horrible Hollywood movie stars who's trapped forever. Like having to. <laughs> Oops! Oh. <laughs> ah, no! What a lovely dog. Hello, oh, what kind of dog is this? She's she's nice. Oh, she's a Staffy, yeah, I love Staffies. She's quite small for a Staff. Hello! <laughs> she's very friendly. Look at that, look at that, Josh. What Raymond does yeah. is run up to another dog <laughs> and then just stand there and kind of go, this is me. <laughs> Is Take that, me as I am. Isn't you know, that what deal you do, it. Josh, for a living? Yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not far. Good attitude, Ray. Is this par for the course in terms of speaking to other dog owners? Yeah, and you know what? When I did the podcast with Lee Mack, yeah. he said to me, well, I, I didn't know dog walking was going to involve quite so many conversations with people. <laughs> he was really taken aback by that, and... It was interesting to me because I suppose someone like you, I mean, we just had a guy come up and he recognised you. And I can see how sometimes, you know, people, he was really polite and I'm sure the majority yeah. of attention you get is nice, but it, it is a scrutiny that you, you do have more scrutiny than most people. Yeah, I don't think, I, I'm, inter I'm, I'm surprised at actually the social side of dog walking. I presumed it was a solo activity, if you know what I mean. No, people are really... It's, that's part of it, I think. And do you have the same walkers that you'll bump into? Yeah, you get the regulars. It's wow. like the regulars in the Queen Vic. <laughs> I see myself as the Ethel. <laughs> that was an actress my grand knew, Gretchen Franklin. There you go. <laughs> there was an amazing episode of EastEnders, wasn't there, where it was like, just Dot and Ethel. Oh, that was like this kind of iconic episode. And I think I read about it. It only existed because they'd run out of budget, so they needed to just shoot an episode with just the two of them. Like, they couldn't do a full episode, so they were like, we're going to have to just write one with these two characters. And they sold it as a sort of Samuel Beckett play. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Come on, Ray. So, Josh, mm. um, so after... You went to university. Yep. And... Manchester. You did... Linguistics. Yeah. What does that involve, then? Not much. Um... It's a study of language, and um, like it's a concept 
I mean, I, I won't lie, I kind of drifted into it, mainly because I wanted to move to Manchester because I liked a lot of the music from Manchester. I bought into the kind of myth that Manchester's created around itself, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I loved Manchester, it was brilliant. And I kind of just drifted into the degree because I think I lived in a time when you could drift into a degree and it wouldn't cost you 40 grand or whatever. Yeah. And I was all right English language at A-level, so I just ended up doing it. Do you know when You just drift, really, don't you, at that age? And I think it's quite a good age to drift. Yeah. You don't need to have made up any decisions by then. Did your mum work for Dorling Kindersley? Yeah. So she was a kind of freelance editor of... Um, well, she, was, she wasn't freelance for when I was younger, but she became freelance. <coughs> What's he doing? He's smelling wee and poo. Oh, those are his two favourite Is flavors. that duck poo? Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, look at this one. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. That's all right. That's, That's like the you of the dog world, Josh. It is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's... name of this dog? Uh, it's a poo. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Is it a puppy? She's 21 months. 21 oh. months, OK. What's her name? Molly. Molly. This Molly. is Raymond. Uh, hello, Raymond. I think you look like Molly, yeah, Josh. It's not, it's not far off. But that's a no bad thing, because I think I look like Ray. <laughs> <laughs> you do. <laughs> we got the same hair. Did you think about that before you got Ray? Absolutely. Did you? Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> so, yeah, the reason I brought up your parents was that your mum worked at, for Dorling Kindersley and Yeah, David and Charles and, like, all that kind of... So she'd, like, edit those books, like, reference books, like uh, gardening and horses and stuff like that. And your dad was...? Various things, really. He was a builder for quite a while when I was a kid. Then he was basically house husband for a bit. You know, jack of all trades, really. The reason I mm. mentioned your parents' professions, then, is because... I just wondered how going to university, I think it's changed now in that more people, that's, that feels like the norm. Whereas yeah. I was the generation before you and, and going to university wasn't what everyone did. And it, I wondered, was there a sense of that was what you do? That was kind of expected yeah. of you? Or? I don't think, there was no academic pressure from my parents. They weren't like, you do this, then you do this at all. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to go just because I thought, like, obviously my older brothers and sisters are gone and I just thought it looked really really fun and a brilliant thing to do with three years of your life yeah which it was really it was great I think a lot of comedians get into comedy because it's the closest you think you can get to being a student again <laughs> yes I can see that <laughs> do you know what I mean you're like yeah and it's not because actually if I had a nine-to-five job I'd work a lot less but there's something in your mind that thinks if I'm a stand-up comedian you know I'm can sit around and watch Homes Under the Hammer or whatever. <laughs> I haven't watched a Homes Under the Hammer in... <laughs> Not a full one, anyway. <laughs> I've watched 20 minutes now and again. So when you went to university and you did your degree and then, were you, you didn't do comedy while you were at university? No, no, was it no, afterwards? Because no. you started... Yeah, I started when I was 25, I think, or 24. 2010. Well, no, 2008, so 24. Oh, just before I was 25, I started. And um, so I left uni, got a job at Waterstones for a year. Classic post-uni job. You're classic. Classic, loved it actually. Did you? Or did looking back I did, I don't know whether I did at the time, but I certainly, 
For, it's a fun one. That is a total still being a student job, if you know what I mean. Like It's the halfway house, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, if we cross there, you get the big part of the park. Come on, Raymond. But so. you did some other jobs, which I'm obsessed by one of your jobs. Which I know was, which one it's going to be. Well, you say what it is, Josh. Dora the Explorer. Do, is that right? Do you want to elaborate on what the job was? So I've worked for a year at John Brown Publishing as a kind of editorial <laughs> assistant, which is the equivalent of what would be in TV be called a runner, I suppose. Yeah. But on uh, Dora the Explorer, primarily, but also I did a bit on Angelina Ballerina as well. But <laughs> I tend to I tend to do Dora's the headline, really. And um, so I'd write all the stories. Oh, look, oh. Josh. How does Ray. this work with That's crossing right. the road? Let me. Thank you. You just have to go a bit officious. Do and, you? Um, Come on, Raymond. Police, police, please stop at the zebra crossing. Here we go. There you go. We've crossed into the other area of Josh's park now. The bigger area. Yeah. And so, so you've basically watched an episode of Dora the Explorer. Have you ever watched it? It's, it's not yes, because my, um, my godchildren, I think, used to watch it. Yeah, it's quite a big deal. Yeah. I don't know if it's still a thing, but you'd watch an episode and then you'd kind of turn that into the story for the magazine and then you'd do stuff like you'd write puzzles and stuff like that. Good little gig to be honest. <laughs> it was first year I moved to London. What a nice job to get. What can I say? That often I've heard you tell this story on Graham Norton and yeah. rather surreally in front of people like Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, 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 was, yeah. It? was it Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, I loved Mark Ruffalo. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah, I really liked him. But, but I've heard you tell this story, but can I say I'm coming at it? Careful of this dog, he looks a bit aggressive. Yeah. Pull the extender, Josh. How do I pull the extender? Just push on it. Push on so that. if you want to control it, you can stop it. Do you see? Oh, I see. Yeah. Quite useful. Oh, I see. I'm questioning there whether you were afraid <laughs> of the dog or the owner, because he looked pretty. He looked a bit Brian Harvey. He looked a bit Millwall, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> he, looked a bit, he did look a bit. No one likes us, we don't care. No, yeah. He looked like he did care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I'm particularly interested yeah. is my first job when I left university was the Funday Times. Oh, was it? Wow. Yeah, I worked for the Funday Times. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So I did similar things. And yeah. what was great was that sometimes, this was obviously the days before people were texting so often, so yeah. you'd have phone calls catching up with old friends. Yeah. And somehow it turned out that because Funday Times can be misheard and sounds like Sunday Times, <laughs> there was people were thinking at one point that I was 22 years old and deputy editor of the Sunday Times. <laughs> oh, what an awkward conversation <laughs> I to never have. corrected them, Josh. Of course not. <laughs> um, so can I ask, what, was, what is in the Funday? I remember the it. The Funday but... Times was cartoons and puzzles. Yeah. Very much your arena. Yeah, of course. Your yeah. area. And we had Banana Man. Ah, oh, I loved Banana Man. Eric. And we also worked with uh, Dorling Kindersley a lot. Oh, did you? Actually, yeah. So we do a sp uh, spread of, you know, something like the interior, the inside of a car or how the human body... Uh, oh, sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Anatomy broken. I thought down. you were going to say, we did a feature on interiors. <laughs> how to make the most of lamps. <laughs> um, I loved it. It's weird, because those jobs that you have when you leave university... You don't realise 
how much kind of cultural capital there'll be in your conversations <laughs> coming up. Do you know what I mean? Because there's the amount of times it's like, what did you do before you did this? Yeah. But when you're doing it, you don't realise that that's going to be like such a big part of your life. There's other. Have I, did I have any other jobs? Oh yeah, I did. You worked for the Guardian. I worked didn't for the you? Guardian, didn't I? Yeah. I wasn't very good at that. Were you not? No, it was rubbish. I was like a sub editor. So your only job is to check spellings and make sure things are right. And I was like, do, I was in charge of the kind of the front of the sport and football websites. And there was a day when there was two big FA Cup upsets. I think Chelsea and Liverpool both lost to lower division teams. And I got both scores the wrong way around. <laughs> and I thought, this isn't for me, really. <laughs> so when did you do your first gig, Josh? And when, why did 2008. you... Oh, yeah, you were saying... And what, yeah. why did you decide... What happened to make you decide I you were going to do I didn't really... I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to write comedy. And, like... I remember because my brother and me would write stuff together. And Henry's now like, he's a big wheel in comedy, runs Mac Fests in uh, Macanleth Festival, which is like the, I'd say the best comedy festival there is. And um, we wanted to get into comedy. And I think it's just, there's just a feeling that to get into comedy, you stand up is a shortcut, it felt like, if you know what I mean. Yeah. To write, because it's a way of people seeing you rather than just sending off emails that is just going to. We all know how many emails get ignored. So I never thought I wanted to be a stand-up. I kind of... I suppose the words drifted again, isn't it? But what as much as you, you can that? drift into something that scary. Well, that's what I was going to say, because... Well, i tell you what I did. Yeah. I thought the only way to make myself do this was be to do one of those courses where you kind of learn how to be a stand-up a bit. Oh, and you yeah. don't really learn how to... It's, it was really good, because it wasn't... This is what you do, this is how you hold the mic. It was just, like, getting your confidence up. So it was all just improv games and stuff like that. And like, go and write your own material. And there was no like, this is what you do, this isn't what you do. And it was just a way of making myself do it, really. I think now it's, there's so many like gigs where there's like 20 people on, everyone's doing five minutes and it's totally oversubscribed. And I started just before that kind of boom in stand-up, the kind of McIntyre's Roadshow led boom. Five. What was your first gig then? Do you remember it? Yeah, it was uh, Laughing Horse Earl's Court. And it was above a pub. And How many it was, people? I don't know, maybe 20, I'd like to say. Did you feel sick when they said, and Josh Whittaker? I can't. It's just that I don't think there'd ever be something I'd do again that would be that terrifying. Really? It went well. I've said this before, but I've, I think if it had gone badly, I just think I'd have given up. And I th actually think, like... There's loads of people that would have been top comedians that probably just got unlucky with their first gig and just thought, well, this isn't for me. Because I had a good gig, it makes you go... Genuinely, I remember the next day, I remember I had a dentist appointment. And I remember lying there at the dentist appointment thinking, this is it, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. I thought, well, that, I've had a good gig, I must be good at this. And then you don't realise that it's absolutely such a long way to get there. Really? Yeah. I was talking to Acaster about um, when we were on the this open mic James. scene. James Acaster, when yeah. we were on the open mic scene together. And, like, it's very easy to be nostalgic about it. But it was pretty brutal what you do to your life to get there. You're like, you know, five or six nights a week. I tell you what happened, really, is that... So I was in quite a long-term relationship when I started comedy. And then that kind of fell apart because I was 
doing too much stand-up. And had you met her at university? Yeah, I'd met yeah. her at university. And then once that fell apart, you're like, wow, I'm in now, aren't I? In for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> but do you know what you mean? Like, well, I've paid the price. I've got to get the prize or whatever. <laughs> so I might as well try and make this work. Because the narrative of that particular story, if it was a movie, <laughs> it would have been a terrible movie if you'd gone. And then we broke up and then I just, yeah, nothing ever happened, <laughs> yeah, really. I got nothing out of it. It was the biggest mistake ever made. But actually, we weren't suited at all. So yeah. it was a win-win. I'm interested in what you say about comedy because when I talk to Frank Skinner, yeah. I always say to him, there's something that separates you and most comics from, uh, from other people, I suppose, which is that you're willing to, to take that risk, essentially. Which is most people, I mean, they, they have actual anxiety nightmares and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, about the idea. That is, that's something that features a lot, being on stage and yeah. having a mic put in front of you and having yeah, to... Yeah, totally. But and do you know what? I, so at uni, we do like seminars and stuff. Mm. And um, it'd be like talking in front of 10 people and I remember I'd go bright red in the face and my voice, you know that thing where people's voice goes? Like your voice like wavers, because you're too nervous. And you're like, well, I, I had the opposite of the ability to perform. Right. So I don't know why I then managed to do it, if you know what I mean. There are two types of comics, I always think. There's the sort of, you know, like Rod Gilbert talks a lot, doesn't he, about his anxiety and shyness and yeah i always feel performing for people like that is interesting because it's a release and it's almost like you're, you've got an inner extrovert that wants to come out and that's a channel for it and then you get the i, I guess the more frank skinner sort of rob beckett types who are a bit more yeah, like yeah, all right a good you example. Know. do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i would say yeah but i would say rod i would put with maybe more gary shandling well do you know what you know. when i started out so I, I knew Rod a bit, because Rod uh, knew my brother, and he also knew Ellis James, who I was quite close to. Yeah. Still am, to be honest. And um, he, Rod, like, is someone that I'm sure he'd, you know, it wouldn't, it's not a secret that he would, you know, he takes it seriously. Yeah. And he, like, suffers for it, if you know what I mean. And yeah. that's, you know, that's the reason, one of the reasons he's so good. He's like, that show, his award-winning mince pie show, which I saw in Edinburgh in 2008. You say that's your best ever, one best, of the best ever stand-up show I've ever seen. Straight stand-up. Yeah. You see that and you go, blimey, is that what it takes to be that good? But then you meet Beckett and you're like, bloody hell, he hasn't got a care in the world, has he? And he's amazing. So it's, it's different people, isn't it? Well, Rob Beckett, when he did this podcast, said, yeah. he said, I walk into a room and I just think, everyone loves me. It's great. <laughs> I walk in and I think, yeah, why wouldn't they like me? I've got some views. But, but I, no, I love Rob. I was wondering. No, but I love that. Yeah. I found that really infectious and I thought, oh, he's, you know what? Be more Rob Beckett sometimes. Rob Beckett. I was, I was talking to Romesh about, God, we were like going, oh, God, I don't know about this tour that we're doing. <laughs> like, oh, God, I hope it's good, whatever. And we were just like, God, I wish I was Rob Beckett. I know. Do you know what I mean? He's just got, it's a positivity. There's just something about his attitude to life, which I think is good. I, you know? I mean, I hope he never hears me say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit it. Yeah. 
I want to talk as well about after you started getting into comedy. Yeah. And then you did, I mean, the last leg was sort of your kind of hit me baby one more time yeah. breakthrough moment, wasn't it? Yeah. But you'd done I well, think it shows. Was, but I think, that, yeah. And it was a fluke, obviously, the last leg, in the sense of it wasn't meant to be anything. It was meant to be a show that we did for 10 days during the Paralympics. But I think that's why it was a success, because there's no pressure on it. You know, you see these shows with a, you know, where it's like, this is going to be the big thing, and people want it to fail, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But no one wanted it to fail, because no one knew it existed. <laughs> so it gave us a chance to kind of find our feet, no pun intended, uh, with it, and like, it became what it was. Because you'd never commission it. It's an awful idea for a TV show. It's a terrible idea. Like three guys, two comedians and a guy that's never been on TV before, talk about the news for a bit and then bring on a guest and then they kind of finish on a big thing. It's like, it's not a, it's not a format in any way, but it's, <laughs> that's kind of why it works because it's just kind of found out what it is by doing, if you know what I mean. I've noticed one of the most, when you put your name into Google, one of the things that comes up most frequently is... Disabled? It says, yeah, it says Josh Widdicombe disability. Disability. People trying to find out what your disability is. Yeah. But you don't have one. No. I was kind of brought in as the man in the street, I suppose. Should yeah, I get some treats out? <gasps> Look how excited he is. Yeah. So how many treats do we go with? A few? Well, give him one, because he's got such a tight... Look, he's sitting already. And sit. what do I do? Raymond, sit. Oh. Look what he's done, Josh. Oh, he's put it on the floor. While he's eating the treat. There he is. Yeah. See, he has to bite it into about a million pieces. Uh, last leg we were talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, the success of it and, yeah, the disability thing. So people often say, what's his disability? Yeah, and um, I think because I was just brought in as the bloke in the street, that's what my role was. It'd be interesting if people started watching the show now, whether they'd say it's a show about disability, if you know what I mean. Or whether... I often forget that... I know that's such a lame thing to say, but I forget that Adam and Alex are disabled. Like, you're, particularly with Alex, like, you go, oh, no, of course we can't do that or whatever, because... But you, you just forget about it, you know what I mean? Because you spend so much time with them. But I think that's the strength of the show for me, is that... And again, it's not sort of virtue signalling, but it's it's just that sense that it's a great TV show and it's kind of irrelevant, you know. I think if we were still, you know, that was the main drive, it would be over by now. Yeah, of course, yeah. I, yeah, I know I'd be bored of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a brilliant show and it's also, because it's live... Um, I think that's the, I think the live element is so different. There's nothing else on really like that. I mean, loose women, but you know, like, you know what I mean in the terms of like live comedy show. It's very few things that are. Do you think as a stand-up that prepares you for? I think the best bits of the last leg when it goes wrong. That's the advantage of it being live. Yeah. Like when we had Chris O'Dowd. I know people go on about the one where he was on and he was. Was he? Um, he'd had. He'd a, had what my mother used to say. He'd had a few cocktails. He'd had a few cocktails. <laughs> You know, if that hadn't been a live show... Which way should we go, Josh? I don't want to I go near the skateboard right. park. No, no, of course not. Raymond doesn't like Does skateboarding. Does Raymond not like skateboarding? <laughs> I, don't, I, think, I don't think you should be putting your own tastes onto Raymond. 
blaming Raymond for your own. You know when people do that with children? Yeah. <laughs> we don't like that shot because yeah. they were rude to us, weren't they, darling? <laughs> so oh, Raymond doesn't like skateboarding. You know what? We could take him off the lead for a bit. Yeah, let's do it. You want to do that? Yeah. Because there's a lovely open space here, Josh. Nice, isn't it? It feels Beautiful. summery today. Now, Josh will throw the... This is his little toy. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at his eyes. I've got such a bad throw. That was about two metres. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, we're talking about the last leg. And just how it's been a huge success for you. And um, you've done sort of, you know, Mock the Week and 8 out of 10 Cats. And that's yeah. how, I suppose, you built up your TV hours. That's yeah. what's amazing about Alex is that I do think, like, with those shows on TV... It's hours doing it that makes you confident and good on them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you prepare a lot? Are you quite... Um... We work Wednesday to Friday on the last leg. But do you personally prepare, Josh? Like, are you one of those people... You know, someone like Frank Skinner, I would say he approaches... And actually, Jimmy Carl's like this as well. I would yeah. say they approach it in quite a disciplined, methodical yeah, I'm way. Very, I, yeah, I'd say that is correct. Do you remember when you'd go into an exam... And it'd be like, there's going to be three questions coming up about five subjects, right? And people would be like, I've revised the three I think it's going to be. And I think that's madness. You've got to be prepared that it can't go wrong. And obviously, it can go wrong, but you don't want to be in a position where you think, oh, I wish I'd prepped for this. It's definitely that with stand-up. Yeah. Like, I'm writing the stand-up at the moment. You go, it's just hard work. I'm really obsessed with Blur. I remember, like, they did a South Bank show when I was a teenager. And I must have watched that, like, ten times. And I remember Alex James saying, like, I always used to think you had to be a genius, but you just got to work really hard. And I think that's definitely the case with comedy. I think you've got to Do be you? funny, obviously. But, yeah, I think... I don't... I think it's... 85% of it is hard work. And, and it's not just, like, hard work, but it's, like... Doing that work well in the sense that you go, you know, you, when, you, when we're on the open mic circuit, you'd see people and they'd be like, oh, you've got, you got to just gig every night. And then you'd see them six months apart and they'd have gigged every night, but they'd still be doing the same stuff that's not quite working. Right. And you're like, well, you're not learning from the gigs. You've got a kind of, there's yeah. no point gigging if you're not going to try and make it better the next time, if you know what I mean. So it's about just being really self-critical and working really hard, I think. The self-criticism is interesting. Do you think you need a slight rhinoceros hide to be a comic? I haven't got that, so have no. Have you not? But I do stuff like... I haven't read a review in five or six years. I, wouldn't, I don't read Twitter. I would never Google myself. I don't read Chortle. So I, I just totally shut myself off from that area of it. And are you, are you, would you describe yourself as a sensitive person? Yes, very sensitive to those kind of things, I think. I don't enjoy criticism. And I remember, I remember talking to a comic and he was like, if you read the good ones, you should read the bad ones. And I thought, why? Why make your life worse? Yeah. Why do you want to torture yourself like that? Also, the thing with the reviews or comments on Twitter, maybe this is wrong, but I don't know anyone of my friends that goes... Tell you what made that bit better, when I read that review and they pointed out exactly what I should have done with it. Like, <laughs> I think, like, either my peers or me would be the people that might be able to fix the bit. And I know when a bit's not working. Well, it's that weird thing. I've written a book recently and, like, someone said to me recently, 
so what have you had any feedback because you know you're sending the content yeah. and I said well it's written now I don't want feedback yeah, yeah, I want sales course, yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. it's like what is the point in someone saying to me I loved it but I thought great my friend went for an interview for a job recently and uh, he didn't get it and his agent said um, I've emailed them for any feedback <laughs> and he's like I don't want that I don't want to know how I failed in the interview like why do I want to do that do you lose your temper, Josh, ever? I think I probably do. Over what? Just like the great injustices in the world. No, um... <laughs> what do I lose my temper over? I tell you what I lose my temper over, I think. When you feel like when I've got too much on, I just... And it gets all on top of me, and I struggle with that. And how do you... What do you... How does that manifest itself when you struggle with it? Do you get... I just... Grumpy? Yeah, and I just, like... I get angry, I lash out. Not, not lash out physically, <laughs> but like you, you're just in a bad mood. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Never with like, I, you know, I just, I find it mad when people, people are like rude to like, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, someone listening to this going, well, he was actually very rude to me on a bus once, wasn't it? But like, people are rude at work or whatever, and you're like, particularly in TV, you're like, we are in such a lucky position. Because when you're the performer on a show, let's be honest, you can claim you're under a lot more pressure than other people. You're not. And you're not working the same hours as the production team. The production team is a thankless task. So you should kind of treat that with respect, shouldn't you, I think? Did you ever have a period where you checked in with yourself, or do you check in with yourself and say, oh, hang on, Josh, that's a bit... You know, you're, you're sounding a bit like a, a bloke on TV there. Do you know what I mean? What do you mean? Well, you know that thing, I think I've done it with myself, where, not that I do your job, but just things where I, ha I check myself. If oh, where I, you feel If like... I take something for granted or I say, I don't know, yeah. handing someone a, a, a water bottle because you're going on air and not saying oh, thank you. Oh, that's interesting, or, yeah. You know. There's people that you get close enough to that you'll argue, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when, um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying, when, so the last... The guy that produced The Last Leg for quite a lot at the tar start for about four years, Ben Wicks, who's... I br him. Yeah, brilliant, Ben. Love, loved him. But our relationship reached a point where we could argue, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's very different from snapping at someone because they brought you sweet potato mash <laughs> instead of creamy mash. <laughs> like, but we could argue because in the same way that you can argue with a partner much yeah. easier than you can argue with a stranger. Yeah. You know, it's like bands, isn't it, would argue amongst each other because they're close to each other. Mm. Who was I talking to? Have you seen, Presumably you've seen the Bross documentary. Yeah. And they were saying... I was saying about how I like... Oh, here we oh, go. What's that little chihuahua, Josh? Yeah. Hello. Raymond straight over to do his standing stock still. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting the way he does that. He loves it. It's almost like he just kind of... And then he's happy to be sniffed. Yeah. He's like a supermodel, really. Yeah. <laughs> He's just saying, look, I'm. This is my thing. This is, me. is to be watched and looked at. But he runs to them <laughs> to stop. Well, it's it's a bit check me out. Yeah, it really is. It's like, so this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Right. Well, he's broken another heart. Yeah. He gets. I don't mean to boast, Josh, but he's um. He's absolutely. He's. But he knows he's it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? He, you think he all that, and he is. Yeah. Um. Josh, come oh, yeah, on, you were saying about the creative tent... Oh, no, the Bross documentary. Oh, no, just... You know the bit where they're arguing? Um, 
In which the, bit yeah. is that? Well, the bit where they're arguing in the recording, in the um, practice room. Yes, about the... And, yeah. I, and my friend who was a musician was like, that's when he didn't like them because he was like, all the poor other session musicians that are having to yeah. put up with this shit when it's their day-to-day job. And I didn't really think of it like that. Do you know what that's I mean? interesting, pr- yeah. Also, you know when they have the argument before they go on this morning? That was in the dressing room, uh, which I used to use every week for the last leg. It was quite exciting. <laughs> and there's a bit where it cuts to outside and they're in star 10. That's what the dressing room was called. You've had people like John Cleese, Ricky Gervais on your show. And what excites you is seeing your dressing room. Yeah, well, what, but the star, they cut to outside the door and the, the star is peeling <laughs> off the door. And it's obviously they've thought that's a good little shot because it shows how. I think of... they peeled it off. No, I peeled that <laughs> oh, off. Did. I peeled that off when I was locked outside my dressing room <laughs> waiting to get in. <laughs> so I want to talk about um, some more of your TV work because mm, yeah. I really love Josh. Oh, thank your you. Sitcom, which is on Netflix. If anyone hasn't seen it. Yeah, I didn't know this yeah. until recently. I think the first two I don't series think I saw are any on money for that. But Netflix. Yeah, who cares? It's so brilliant. And oh, I think what I like about it is that I think it's like really densely written. In yeah. That it, there's no, it's all meat. There's no connecting tissue. You know, sometimes things feel flabby. Whereas I said this to Lee Mac about not going out. Yeah. Every joke, there's so much in it. I think that's a stand up thing where you're afraid of not having jokes. It's, it's got to be tight, hasn't it? What's the point in going 30 seconds without a joke when you could have a joke? Well, Frank Skinner always says. Why do people talk on the radio and not say funny things? <laughs> I said, how could you just talk and be happy with that? He said, imagine doing a whole link and not having said one funny thing. Yeah. And sitting back and thinking, oh, that was all right. <laughs> I think, Frank, if I was to like, write a list of things that have stuck with me as kind of like lessons and stuff like that, I think Frank's going to have said more perceptive things. <laughs> than anyone I've ever encountered. So Josh, um, I loved, and did you feel, that was very much putting yourself, I suppose, centre stage in that Seinfeld way. I found that the most stressful thing I've done. Did you, why? For that reason? A, it was by a distance the most work you can do. It's amazing that you can spend six months, you know, crafting something takes so long and it's six weeks recording it and then it's edited and you're like then you can just turn up and do a last leg do you know what I mean yeah it was so so tough so it's so much tougher to get because when you do stand up it's just a string of jokes shoved together really you find links but it doesn't have to hold together there's no plot that needs to hold together writing something like that is just so much tougher yeah. So much more kind of. I've got so much respect for people that can do that. But are you proud of it, Josh? Now. Yeah. You don't understand it. I don't. <laughs> Tell me I don't why. Know, don't know what I'm proud. I. I don't. I think when you do anything, I know this sounds like I'm fudging the question. You can just see the things you don't like about it. If you oh, know good. What I mean. That's reassuring because I always feel that. Yeah. Like, do, do you think that's natural to hate things that you're not hate? It's exactly. Yeah, that you've done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is I was, it? I was thinking this the other day. I was thinking I don't like. I don't think I like any of my previous stand-up tours. Do you ever think people are lying when they say they like things? Yeah. Oh, all the time. 
but that's because I often am. <laughs> no, I mean, it takes, I've said I like things that I've not even seen. Have you? Yeah. You're quite, are you an honest person? Would you not person? do that? Are you no. an honest person? You... <laughs> what, in the sense of, would I take a friend aside and say, I think that thing you did wasn't very good? Yeah. No, I don't see what the, why would you do that? Because I'd hate them to do it to me. Do you hate confrontation? Oh, more than anything in the world. What would you do if a friend upset you? Uh, would probably you... not deal with it. Probably, it depends how they upset me. You, would you tell Rose, your partner, and say, I'm really upset with them? Oh, yeah, I'd talk about it for hours and hours and hours and hours, but I would be the opposite of proactive about it. What's that? <laughs> like, I just wouldn't deal with the situation. If someone says to you, Josh, I'm really upset with you, something you did, and I need to talk to you, do, do you does your heart Ooh, sink and do you yeah. feel frightened? I can't remember the last time I had a confrontation, do you know what I mean? Like with a mate? It's horrible, I don't know isn't if it? I ever have with a mate, mate. I don't know if it's a, I mean, it's so bloody um, cliched, isn't it? But I don't know if it's a man thing, but most of my friends, we're not talking about the things that would lead to confrontation, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Our friendships aren't built on the things that would make you confrontational, because you're talking about things, do you know what I mean? Well, rather I've than each other, rather than, this is a nice dog. What's the, what, what breed is this? I'm so bad this at dog looks breeds. looks like... What is this dog, actually? Go on, do your what thing, Roman. What kind Raymond. of dog is this? Walk up, stop. Oh, it's a schnauzer. A lovely dog. Hello. So nice, aren't they? Beautiful. See, I'd say today it's really pushed me towards the thought of getting a dog. Has it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can at the moment, but... I mean, it's very idyllic. I'm sure if it had been raining today, it would have pushed me away from that idea. I want to ask you about... Your new series, which I've, which is out very soon. Yeah. It's out on the eighth, Feb I sixth, think. Oh, is I it think. the sixth? Feb the sixth. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday, and it's called Hypothetical. Yes. And I've really enjoyed it, Josh. Oh, cheers! I'm glad. I'm so glad. I know you stressful. don't believe that now, given what we've <laughs> just course. said. Of course. No, no, I'll take it. No, I really loved it. So it's you. If you want to describe what it is, it's you and James Acaster as sort of. Hosts. Your co-host. Are you co-hosts co-host. or you're hosting? Co-host. No, yeah. we're co-hosts. You're co-hosts. But I do the kind of, the furniture, I suppose. Yeah. And James is, well, his title is the arbiter of hypotheticals. He's basically, <laughs> so it's basically hypothetical questions that we set to comedians. And then James kind of makes the rules and we play out their answer with them and then give them a score on how we think they did. It came about because basically I'm really, really obsessed with that kind of conversation. I love it. So the kind of conversation we should how, say in the how show How much is to do this is a... I could do that kind of conversation all day. And I still do. And now it's a bit weird because it feels like I'm trying to do my show. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be like hypothetical questions. So the first round is like, how would you deal with this hypothetical situation? Yeah. Or they have something like, you know, if you were going to start a cult, yeah, yeah. what would your cult be about? Yes. Which is a nice idea, because it's, it's kind of, you know... There's and it's freeing, I think, for the yeah. comedians. There's no prep, you don't know what you're going to be asked, and everyone's kind of is there chipping no prep? in. There's no prep. We wanted to create something which people wanted to come on. Well, that's it. I look at that and I think that feels like a conversation. There's no desks, there's no buzzers. Yeah. 
there's no sense of besting other people. No. You can imagine being a woman in that and, and not feeling sort of squeezed out, quite honestly. Totally. And, um, you know, The Guardian's, like, annual article about whether the panel show's dead that they'll do. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> they do do that. They'll do it, and they'll swap every six months with stand-up dad. They're basically <laughs> trying to really hit into my revenue streams. <laughs> but they, yeah, though, I think the panel shows just is—it's just morphing into something a bit more like. And I think Taskmaster's kind of done this yes. really. Which it's were ta- you the champion of all champions, by the way? I am the champion of champions. Yeah. Um, beat I love the way you point. said that in a sort of, yeah, yeah I am uh, the uh, champion of all champions. Yeah. Um, beat Rob by a point, which was glorious. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's becoming less, hopefully, about people preparing jokes and yeah. doing it and more about it being a conversation and being a cooperative show and something that people want to come on. I think the best panel show is... Would I lie to you? And I think the reason yes. for that is because it's a game that you get lost in. And it gives you a reason to be there. And you go, oh, if you put these six people in a room and they played that game, they'd enjoy it. Yeah. But I don't think you'd ever put six people in a room and... There's a picture of the transport them... minister here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Can no, we play it, that it just thing happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, exchange zingers about... <laughs> you'd, ever... ne- you'd never do like they think it's all over in your own no. time, would you? But hypothetical, it feels like a game that you could play yeah. if we were all sat in a dressing room and someone said, what would your, you know, if you had to, so there's one with Roisin where it's like, if you had to, you've got 48 hours to have a selfie with Nicolas Cage, otherwise you die. <laughs> now everyone's going to have a view on how you do that. That's a fun thing, how do you do that? And that's what we wanted, do you know what I mean? What um, I like also is, it feels like the people that you want to book are my generation and my friends yeah. and it feels we really liked that feeling i imagine you were looking up to i don't know who you were looking up to but you know the people you were you know like jack d or frank maybe people or like frank Harry Hill or yeah whatever. yeah and then you think oh i'm one of them you yeah know, like that must have hit you at some point i mean yeah you back, kind of you've... do it's it's amazing that but you know that kind of feeling that you're never there are you I think that was one of the great realisations I had from seeing people that I thought were at the top. They, you never feel safe. Do you think you not? Never, I don't think so. You never feel like, I can do what I want now because I'm Jerry Seinfeld or whatever. Not that I've, but do, do you, you know think I mean? Jerry Seinfeld feels that? I don't know. I've used him as an example because I didn't want to name a British comic that might listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, even at the top, I'm sure there's people that would look at me and go, oh, you've got it made. You know, what a great situation you're in. But I'm thinking, bloody hell, what if the last leg gets cancelled, hypothetical doesn't get recommissioned, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Yeah. And there's no answer to that, really. But well, I suppose that's I mean? what keeps you creating things. Totally. Presumably, the minute you think, I'm all right, that's, I suppose... Let's say you win the lottery. Yeah. I think that sense of not having any purpose, not having anything to get you up in the morning, that's a, a tough situation to be in, obviously. Yeah, and, totally. And why I, it's I, like when Christmas goes on too long, isn't it? <laughs> you know when people will go like, there's this guy and he's like 23 and he sold an app for £10 million. And you go, 
oh, well, I'd retire. And then you go, but then I, the reason Alan Sugar hasn't retired is because he's got the mentality that got him in that position and he's not going to lose that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That is, and I, I think you get this in a different way, you get the same with comics in that if you've worked hard enough to get in the position you're in, you're not going to retire because you enjoy what you do. You, the reason you've got to where you got is because you love doing it, really. Yeah. So that's why you've committed to it so much. Well, it's interesting that you're saying that because you're, uh, you're going on tour later this year, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, October, yeah. So in October, and your tour is called... Bit Much. Bit Much? Bit Much. Which was interesting because when I interviewed Matt Ford for this podcast, yeah. and I said, what do you most fear people saying about you? when you close the door and leave and I'm going to ask you that question so yeah. think about your answer yeah. and when I said it to Matt he said well what do you mean what do you mean I said well imagine they're saying I like Matt but he's yeah. a bit and he said much <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to your tour in a minute but yeah, no, what do you worry most um, like I worry most for example if, if I leave and I close the door I I, w I imagine and fear that people are saying, oh, God, she doesn't ever stop talking. She's so loud. What do you think people might say about you? Um, do you know what? I think it's dependent on the situation. Okay. Because I think you're different people in different situations. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, in a professional situation, and maybe this is going back to that thing of what we were saying earlier about being nice in that situation is I would absolutely hate people to think that I was difficult to work with or a diva or something like that that would that would cripple me but I don't think they would think that of you so what would so what do you think they would say about you I think in a work situation they might say Josh is a bit I finicky think, uh, I think I go round and round worrying about things control that would freak? get annoying no I don't think I am a control freak at all actually not at all, but um, if there's something that I'm worrying about, I'll keep bringing it up and I'll just be a bit annoying about it, if that makes sense. Obsessive? Yeah, obsessive about, about things that don't matter. In yeah. a social situation, too gossipy. 100%. Can you be trusted to keep yes, secrets? Yes, I can. Totally. I'm sitting on a great one at the moment. But, um, no, I'm all right with keeping secrets, but if there's something that's public domain or... When I go into like uh, my agent's office, they'll be like, "Oh, you must have some good something funny about some comic or whatever." Ray spotted two crows, Josh. Yeah. No. I don't think they're nice on. friends for you. No, it's not his bag, is it? I think they prefer to be smelled by they a dog. Fit, they look, yeah, you're like a nice, furry, friendly type, and they're a bit oligarchs. I don't like yeah, them. They're not pleasant. Um. Yeah, so I think that's definitely. My fear. Bit gossip. That'll be your next bit talk. Gossipy. Bit gossipy. Bit gossipy. So are you looking forward to that, Josh? Because you start, how many, how many dates do you do? So that's 37 because I'm doing it in quite quick succession. But then there'll be another leg next year or maybe two, depending on stuff. And you have to work it around your TV stuff, I presume, yeah, as well. Yeah, I am looking forward to it because I haven't done it in a while. And I was really burned out with stand-up at the end of last one. Were you? I'd had it with stand-up. Why? Because I've done it for 10 years. Yeah. And I just needed a break, and now I'm really enjoying it again. So I am looking forward to it. 
but I'm sure by the end of it I'll be bored out of my <laughs> nut. <laughs> I'm so easily bored. That's why, yeah, that's why I did quite loads of different things. I can't stand the idea of doing the same thing every week. Oh, so what's that? Is he that? looks like he, he's a lovely um, golden... Golden retriever? Is he a, gold, is he a Labrador? Is he a I Labrador? know, gorgeous. You know what he looks like? I'm going to go for what he is. I think he's a cross between a Labrador and a German Shepherd or something. I mean, you tell me. I need to learn my dog breeds. But he's lovely. He's he's nice. He's golden he? coloured. He looks like he could belong to the Widdicombe family. He could. I look Not like a lot of dogs. Do people think you're related rem- to Anne Widdicombe? Yeah. Um, and when I met her, was she on the last leg? No. I met. I filmed a little thing with her to promote Josh series two, bizarrely. And um, I walked in and she said, "I knew this day would come." <laughs> Did she throw herself into your arms yeah. then? <laughs> Oh, Josh, I've really enjoyed today with I've you. I've had a lovely time. Have you? Yeah, really nice. How have you felt about the dog walk then? I really feel it's... Oh, it's calming. It's meditative, right? Really? What I find interesting about dog walking is I love the idea of it when your life is in quite a nice state. But the moment I'm on deadline or my life's in flux, it's n- another thing that I have, would have to fit into my day. That's how I feel about it. Is that, yeah. is that, a, th- is that a fair... Yes. Thing to say? I think that's true. But then I think it's sort of a bit of an interesting thing, isn't it? Because oddly making time for it, I suppose it's like exercise or, you know. Yeah. It's like making time for it is what makes you better able to face those things. Yeah, strangely. Totally. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you, Josh. Do you cry? Yeah. Are you a crier? Yeah, I think I am, yeah. Not all the time. But... Um, yeah, I'm not someone who goes, you know those people that go, I haven't cried in eight years. You know, that kind of weird. <laughs> but like, weird stuff, like end of films or something, and not even the ones you'd expect, or like Edinburgh shows or something. Yeah. But not like, um, not all the time, I'm not. No, I'm not, that isn't like something I'd, uh, I'm not emotionally on edge, I don't think. But I'm Are you not? not? But I don't think I'm emotionally unavailable, either. No. Are you someone that people would go to for advice, do you think? Hope not. (laughs) That'd be the last thing I need. Uh, Would I be someone who... Nah. um, Would you have What kind of advice? Okay, let's say relationship. No, relationship advice. Mm. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, maybe like... To an extent, but I don't think I'd be the first port of call. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I don't think it would be bananas to come to me. It yeah. would be like, fine. It would be an acceptable chat, although I don't think you'd seek me out. <laughs> but if I was there... I'd, lo- I'd love <laughs> If you had a therapy business. Yeah. An acceptable chat, but you won't seek you me wouldn't, out. You wouldn't seek me out, but you'd, you know. What's your relationship with fame like? Because... You know, some people say... Fine with it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that... Um, I th- I'm not tortured by it in any way. Do you know what I mean? Like some people are. I certainly don't want it. Someone... In the sense of... God, I hope they take a photo of me or anything like that. Someone famous that I know sent me a text once, which I don't think they intended it to be so funny, but I'm afraid it was. 
Yeah. Because it said, it was describing how they'd been recognised by someone on the tube. And they ended it by saying, loathe fame. <laughs> I suppose the reason that it's funny and that other people find that funny is, I think <laughs> it, it sounded, I didn't buy that. I don't buy that. Because if you loathe something, there is a way out. Well, quite, yeah. And I also think, for instance, you said Lee Mack earlier. Yeah. Lee Mack is one of the biggest comedians in Britain. He's super famous, but he doesn't... You never think of Lee Mack except in his work. Do you know what I mean? No. And I, I mean, he, you can... As a comedian, it's one of the things you can do where if you don't court it, it's fine. No one's... Your life is your own. That's totally a choice. And I do think comedy is certainly one of the ones where it's of no advantage, really. I can see in being an actor, it can be helpful to be a... to act like a star. But in comedy, I think people want the opposite of a star. No one wants a comedian who's outwardly living this showbiz lifestyle because comedy's not about having a wonderful life, is it? It's about, you know, about frustration. Truth. and yeah. yeah, exactly. So... I don't, I don't think in comedy it's as big a thing if you don't want it to be. We're getting near to the end now. I can see, is that the cafe over there? It's just there. Oh, it's just there. Um, yeah. I've really enjoyed today, Josh. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a much, much more pleasant weather than I'd anticipated when I woke up. Were you worried and about the rain? Were you thinking, I'm going to have to cancel Do you it? know what? I would, no, it wasn't the rain. It was the I was thinking, you've got a really seasonal job here. <laughs> You've got a job that, in summer, must feel like the greatest job in the world, and in winter, I bet booking it's much easier in summer. They're queuing up. You've been really good with Ray, Josh. Well, it's, you know, after the initial um, holding it up too high, it's, I've realised it's quite a cash job, really, isn't it? Yeah, you were holding it up a bit like a, a sort of... Um... It's a bit penny-farthing, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, I've loved chatting to you yeah, today. Yeah, it's been really and I think, fun, really pleasant. I think you're, I've always admired you, and I think oh, you're you. a really talented comic and also just really likeable. Well, and that's where I've tricked you, because it's all hard work <laughs> pretending to be those things. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that, and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>